Hello and welcome to episode 180 of Three Bears in a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Barry Neal. Barry, first time since New Year, so Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, sir. We, we can't shake hands and do a digital fist pump. Um, yeah, nice to see you, because yeah. you were uh, the show on last week doing the, the top 10, so it was nice time to join us, but it's nice to have you back to get used to our usual weekly therapy session doing this. Um, yes. Uh, Scotland is, in Britain in fact, is in full lockdown, no one can go anywhere. If you take a step out your door, you will be shot in the head. Um, so we'll have a <laughs> I, I, I wish it was actually at that level, to be fair. Yeah, may, that might make people think twice before breaking the rules like everyone else has. Um, but we I mean yeah. you're being good. No, it, is, it is nice that everyone's back outside clapping at a certain time and a certain day of the week. Yeah. So it was nice to boost the morale. All we need is a hundred year old to start doing laps of his garden again. That's and we'll what he did. That's what he did. That's what he did. Get get your guy to start trampling into the moon, you know. But you know that's all we need. Don't pay these people; just fucking clap for them. That's all we need. Um, yeah. It is quite early on a on a Friday afternoon. Are you having a drink this afternoon? Or are you behaving? Right that second, I'm behaving. I'm gonna give it a few more hours, and then I'm yeah. gonna start drinking. It's a bit because I'm not long up. I'm still I'm still in that tender, just waking up into my day kind of feeling. You know? For you, technically, yes. Yeah. Yeah. What about yourself? Uh, no, I'm freezing cold right now, so I'm drinking tea to try and keep myself warm. Because it's fucking, uh, <laughs> my part of the world right now is absolutely frozen, so um, yeah, I'm trying to keep myself yeah. warm. Um, maybe I'll be later on. I've dug a full fridge full of beer, so that'll probably get drunk over the next few weeks. Because um, if we're in lockdown, the, the whole idea of a dry January just goes out the window. I think, I think at that point we can say, fuck you, we're a dry January. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the feeling is very much mutual across the board for like everyone i think everyone tried to do the dry january for about two days just to recover from new year's eve and then went nah the world's not quite ready for sober let's just oh. go back and keep drinking yeah. we, all, we, all, we, all, we all have to go back to work then we all get told about the lockdown then america went on fire again we all went you know what i need a drink so we're all, we're all basically drinking and um, but we'll get into yeah, the- actually sorry so I was about to say, I can't believe we did not touch on the whole American subject off air. I cannot yeah. believe this. <laughs> we'll, we'll, discuss oh, well. we'll, we'll discuss it at the end. Um, but yeah, yeah, so we'll talk about usual stuff. So since we last talked, the Camel Lairds have played a game. They played a game on Boxing Day. Oh. Um, we haven't talked since then. Yes. Uh, they lost 2-1 to Vauxhall Motors in a, kind of, like a local derby. Um, bit of a tough time this now for them. They had six new players playing the team for that, making their debut in that game because I think a lot of guys win it. Things get locked down, so moved away or, or found other things they needed to do. So very tough for that league right now to actually keep a contingency and keep, you know, players involved and everything. So it's it's not a not a good time for that league. And to be honest, right now, I doubt that league will even finish now. I think they might be told to shut down before the end of the season. Like I can't I just can't see it finishing off because of everything that's happening right now. You know, when the when the top league right mm. now, like the FA League, the, the Premier League is sort of struggling to get games and calling games off and players not being able to play. The idea of a small division team doing it, uh, you know, what run is just sort of seems absolute mad, and it seems silly to me to keep it going. You know, just for what purpose? Um, hopefully, one day they get back, but I, I do sense that that league's going to shut down um, until at least after the summer. I, I get that feeling about it right now. Yeah, it's a shame. It's like you said, it's like a lot of lives. You know, we are we have to always kind of touch wood and thank our lucky stars that us to our. Uh, actually were okay yeah. so far in terms of job wise but you know there's a lot of people and a lot of industries that are now suffering as this drags on and on 
Uh, so yeah, it's yeah, it's a sad state of affairs we're now finding ourselves in. Yes, indeed. Um, so that's the only cap. Hopefully, Cavaliers get back in action at some point soon. Um, they're supposed to play, I think, Tuesday night. If they didn't play, I don't think the game will start. They'll go ahead, so we'll see what happens uh, going forward there. But if mm. they do play, we wish them good luck, as, as we always do. Um, any movie news of interest from yourself? You always really look at the movie news, anything jumped out at you? It's usually quite a quiet time over Christmas and New Year. There's not really a lot going on. Yeah, uh, there was only one story that appeared this week. Uh, it's kind of. Smiling your face right now, that makes me worry. <laughs> uh, it's a wee bit funny and a wee bit sad at the same time. I actually, actually, I forgot to pull it up just before we started recording, but she was a Bond girl. You might have seen this news earlier yes. on in the week, maybe. Um, I it, didn't know it was a Bond girl. I, I don't really like the Bond films, but I knew she is Midge in the 70s show. Uh, yes. You know, that 70s yes. Show. Uh, um, the actress's name, who I'm trying right. to remember. So, right okay, now. good. So, you didn't... I know, I know. I heard the story, yes. So, re- yeah. repeat the story. So, what happened? Uh, as I heard the story and what I made of it is that she was taken to hospital. She was on her deathbed. Her husband was there. Didn't even really wait for her to be confirmed that she had died. Ran out the door, told the world that she had passed away, when in actual fact she hadn't passed away. But then, like, the next day or the other day after that, she did, in actual fact, pass away. But by oh, this point... she dead now? This, yeah, no, she's actually legit dead. So she was still alive when he told everyone. And then yeah, publicist her publicist had... Uh, she's still alive. But then she did actually pass away. And you're like... What the fuck? Like, I don't know if I, I don't know how old like her husband is or whatever, but I don't know if it's maybe like a wee bit of Khaled shell shock or whatever going on. And he just he thought like this was the best course of action to get the news out there like as quick as humanly possible or whatever, whatever. But I was just like, what a fucking mental story, you know? Um Tanya is the woman's name. Yes. She yes, was, thank you. Like I said, she's a Bond girl and a beauty kill, but I knew her from, because I was a big fan of that 70s show, she plays uh, Laura mm. Crepon's mum in that, um, um, Midge, mm. um, who all the boys love because she's yeah. stunning. Um, yeah, very odd, very very strange and funny story to be honest. Just sort of like, not funny, because it is really tragic, because ultimately she's now passed away. Um, yeah. But just how it all came about, you know, like everyone's outpouring of grief about you know, how lovely an actress she was and how she struggled after being a Bond girl and stuff like that, you know, and how she, like, sort of felt that that tainted her um, career because she couldn't really get a lot of work after that. And, and, and you know, waxing mm. quite poetic and, you know, eulogising her. Then all of a sudden she's found to be alive. People are going like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't really care about her now. Now she's dead again. People are going like, I don't really care now because we gave all the kind of, the, the nice yeah. stuff when she died the first time. And now they, <laughs> she's not dead. It reminds me of, I've been at football games where they've announced the death of someone over the tannoy, right? And, you know, who passed away this weekend, but, uh, you know, and very, and we sent off the goals. And the guy was literally standing like four feet away from me, and he's looking around going, I am absolutely no not dead. No way. He's <laughs> <laughs> been reported that this guy what is dead. <laughs> Sometimes it's been because, like, they're announcing the death of the father, but they mix it up with the son because they've the same name. But I have seen it eventually. It's just like, oh. I've been looking at the guy going, you're dead, and he's like, "No, it's <laughs> like, just really, just really bizarre." <laughs> um, so 
very sad Tanya Roberts did pass away. She seemed, from what I saw, quite a nice lady, um, but I think she struggled with life after being a Bond girl um, and didn't really have the, the best of luck in getting jobs, yeah. you know, so... Uh, but she was very funny in the, that Sydney show. I, I loved that Sydney show, and I found her very funny in it. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, yeah. So, very, very sad, and, and hopefully... It was is. one of those shows I only ever caught, like... You go, man. Oh, sorry, but I was just going to say that um, it was one of those shows that I only ever caught, like, random episodes. I never managed to, like, ever see or watch a full season. Yeah. So, it's yeah. It's very... I think, it's, I think it might all be on a... Netflix now or possibly Amazon, but it's well worth watching. It is genuinely very funny. Um, some questionable yeah, stuff yeah. on it now, you know, because of like you know maybe mm. you know Me Too and how they treat the the foreign visitors um, to the and the foreign friends mm. um, is at times questionable. But there is still a lot of stuff in it that's very funny. Ashton Kutcher and Miley Kunis are very very funny in it, um, and so is uh, yeah, yeah. So it's well worth worth a watch. And Midget is also very funny. And I think she's in the first three seasons of it, then she goes away and back. And um, but she is, she is very good in it. But mm. I've not got any news because I've not really seen any movie news over the past couple of weeks. Like I said, it's, it's a new yeah. year. Things are very quiet. It, it's always quiet. People yeah. are keeping always a low profile, you know. Yeah. Hollywood tends to shut down for two or three weeks over Christmas. So I imagine the next couple of weeks we'll start getting seen a bit of movement of, of stories and things happen. Before that, and in, in, the, in the time being, I have been watching stuff over the Christmas and festive period. Um, for the mm. first time in a while, I've actually watched a full series or something, done it in the space of a very quick period of time. Um, it's a, a yes. comedy series on Sky Comedy called Moonbase 8, and that's the first thing we're going to talk about um, tonight. Um, so, directed by Jonathan Neal, um, who done a lot of episodes of Portlandia, so he directs all six episodes of this. Um, it was created by the stars of the show, uh, John C. Reilly, Tim Hedecker, and Fred Armisen. So they're the creators, and along with the director, Jonathan um, himself. Um, so so they're, they're the four guys who are involved in the creation of the, the show. Um, the plot of it's very basic. It's sort of it's three astronauts living on like a base in like the Nevada desert, sort of preparing to be the next American crew who go to the moon. And it's they're doing a lot of experiments there. And they sort of and it, it's basically just sort of, it's it's an office based comedy because they're, they're there all the time. They have they have to treat it as if they're on the moon, and they have to sort of behave yeah. as such. So they can't go outside without their um, gas masks on and their suits on and all that kind of stuff. So and it's just sort of it's it, it's basically a workplace comedy, but surrounding three mm. possible astronauts preparing to go to the moon. Um, also, so I mentioned John C. Reilly, Tim Hedecker, and Fred Armisen there. They're sort of the three main astronauts. You've also got M.C. Ganey, Adam Lambert, Thomas Mann, uh, Alia Shawkat, all pop up in sort of minor roles um, uh, throughout the show. Um, what do you think of this one? Yeah, this was good. This was actually quite a pleasant surprise, uh, how much I actually enjoyed it. Uh, once again, I've only ever seen like sporadic episodes of uh, Portlandia and yep. what I watched it was okay nothing really big to write home about but what I watched I did enjoy it uh, but no this I found this very funny very enjoyable and I think because we're British and we like our comedies to be less than no more than 30 minutes an episode yep. that's just absolutely smashes it right on the button because I think every episode is coming in at like 20 minutes or something yeah, like that or I, just I, over I the 20 minute mark so it's very tight, not a lot of fucking about. Every episode, spot on. And, you know, a couple of big highlights was, one for me was when the episode when they bump into the SpaceX guys. Yeah, it's funny. 
are also who are also training as well on the other side of like the yeah. rock that separates the two bases. I found that a very enjoyable episode. Yeah. Uh, and then just generally just all the drama that surrounds these like three bumbling astronauts. Yeah. You know, I think that's thing good about the train. It does play it. it the, the setup, although it sounds kind of complex, is very simple. It is essentially, essentially these three guys living in this sort of like little bubble, you know, which we all kind of re- we all kind of recognise in COVID times as well. Um, mm. So it allows them to focus on the characters a lot more. There's not actually that much of a plot in it. It's very, it's quite simple, um, and yeah. they strip a lot of plot out of it because at one point I try. I think there's a wee kind of push to put a plot in regarding one the, the very religious guy. His wife might be shagging the preacher. That was sort of yeah. Indicated yeah. there, but they never really sort of expired on that at any point. Um, so they, they, they keep the they keep the plot to quite a minimum. So they basically just focus on these three characters and how they're all treating this differently. You know, you've got the religious one, the scientific one, and John C. Riley, who's sort of like the commander who has no clue what he's doing. Um, so it, but it plays to all their strengths rather than try to force plot upon it, which I thought was really funny. So it does seem very improvisational at a lot of it, which mm. that might not be the case, but it felt very much like they're sort of improvisational um, mm. and the big thing I noticed from it was it plays way more into the comedy than Space Force and we watched that last year yes yeah that's a more kind of serious but serious comedy sort of thing that forgot to be funny for most of it yeah the big problem this does lean into the comedy more and I think a big part of it was six episodes which I think was good like you said, 20, mm. 25 minutes long each, so it's concise and moves at pace as they got a lot into each episode. And I think a big part of it as well was there's the same director for all six episodes. So the, the yes. tone felt very consistent. It didn't feel like it was changing because of, you know, someone else didn't brought in or different writers or something like that. It felt very consistent, which I think is a big problem with some comedies where it, one episode feels off the wall, totally outlandish. Then they go sort of trying to be more realistic in the next episode. This felt throughout the same, same kind of tone and feel to each and every episode. Yep, totally, totally. Um, do you think this will get a second season? I think or, it or has it been announced? It? I think I don't think it's been nice. announced, but I think it will. I think it's pushing for it. It does seem quite a low budget thing. You know, it doesn't really seem there's that much money. Involved. Yeah. Um, no. My only, my only downside of this thing was the finale of it, almost the final shot of it, hints of some sort of bigger plot or bigger story. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. Think if they start trying to make a bigger story and bigger plot, that's where it might start to fall down a little bit and I, I might lose a bit of interest. Yeah. So I'm hoping to do still, if they yeah. the season. By all means, bring something extra to it to make it, to, to differentiate between the first season and the second season, but don't overload the plot. I think when you overload the plot, I think that's not when I will start to lose interest. I enjoy seeing these three guys together. Mm. I like what they've done in the first episode with the four guys. I thought that was really funny, the way they sort of played that as well for the first yeah. chunks of it. Um, so yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, I love it. Like I, I love the fact how quickly they changed the intro as well. Yeah, it's really funny. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, it was just a subtle wee nugget, and I was like, "That's genius." Uh, um, so I'd really like to keep the focus on like the, the three characters. If they keep the focus on the three central characters and don't push for plot, we can have some. Because obviously, mm. you get a sense of feeling that like they're not going to get to the moon; they're going to be left behind somehow because they don't seem that inept at what they're doing. And obviously, going this whole thing like NASA yeah. is now like a sort of corporate entity, so they're having, they're having to like test like Mars bars and things like that in order to sort of like make NASA money. Whereas the SpaceX guys are all like totally funded, and you could get some kind of kind of jealousy on there. Yeah. But the less plot in it, I think, the better. Just keep it the three guys just sort of just sort of yeah. each other. That's but it's that's funniest to me. That that's what I thought. 
Yeah. I'm kind of hoping if it does come back for a second season that they don't try and stretch the, their budget too thin and it loses the yeah. kind of magic that is what the first season is, you know. That's all I'm hoping for. Yeah, I agree, dude. I think there's a lot of potential there. I would give it a very solid 7 out of 10. Hope yourself. Nice. Nice. I'm joining you on that one. I'm going 7 out of 10 as well. Nice. Nice. We both really enjoyed it. And like I said, 20 minutes, 25 minutes long, 6 episodes, you watch it in the space like 3 hours and you've got all, all them done. Yeah, and it is, it is one of those shows you can actually binge right through the yeah. whole entire season in one in one set, and I found it very enjoyable in that sense. You know? Yeah, definitely, hundred um, percent. Next, next up, we've got another Netflix release, um, and that is The Midnight Sky, um, in our sci-fi release. So we've been very sci-fi in the first opening of this. So directed by Josh mm. Clooney, um, who has been obviously known as an actor, but he is a very good director. He's done things like Suburbicon, uh, Monuments Men. Uh, good Night and Good Luck and Leatherheads, which some of them are very, very good, some of them less good. But he's, he's definitely a director with a keen eye. He's worked with some very interesting people, so he's obviously picked up uh, a lot while he's doing it. Um, the plot of this one essentially is something has wiped out most of humanity. So it's, it's two stories. So oh, would, yeah, so they, don't, they never say what it is, but they, they don't know. So it's an interesting. And something's taken out of humanity. Yeah. There's one man left in our sort of Arctic research station. Um, and he's yeah. about to, he, he assumes he's going to die, but then he, life is given purpose in some way when a young girl who's also left behind in the research facility sort of befriends him, and also at the same time yeah. try to communicate with a space mission that is going from Earth to Jupiter to sort of map out possible places for, for the human race to survive, and basically try to tell them not to come home, so he tries to find a way of communicating with them not to come home because it's the Earth is now lost, um, and you're also dealing with their story as they're sort of as they're dealing with coming home. And also the, the the aftermath of being told not to come home. Um, and this time you've got George Clooney, he plays the main guy. Felicity Jones plays one of the commanders on the spacecraft, along with David O'Elio. Kyle Chandler's on the spacecraft as well, and a few other people um, who you will probably recognize. But they're sort of the main cast. Um, I'll start with this one. Um, I enjoyed this mostly. Um, the opening half hour, 40 minutes, tried to make it a three-hander, like sort of you have the Clooney story, then you have the space story, mm. and you also have like, mm. um, like a time travel woman. He's sort of like looking back at Clooney when he was younger. That didn't yeah. work. The, when it was a three-hander, it didn't work. By the by, maybe about halfway through the film, they've kind of jettisoned that plot line of the sort of the the, the before story. And once they've done that, I thought the film came a lot stronger. I, I wasn't really. I enjoyed some of it, but they, I really wasn't interested in that pre-story. Also, it really odd. They bring an actor in to play a young George Clooney, and it's weird because I know what a young George mm. Clooney looks like, and he doesn't look like that actor. Mm. That felt that's kind of odd to me. Yeah. So the only reason I, the only reason I recognise him as Clooney is because they call him the same character name, but also he, he has got the voice down quite well of Clooney. But it, it was kind of odd having this mm-hmm. actor who's clearly not a twenty-year-old George Clooney. Um, so when he dropped the flashbacks, I was a lot happier. Um, the Clooney plot, I thought it was very slow, methodical. It felt almost indie until the final hour, and we started like sort of it wrapped up as it goes in this sort of rescue mission to like this other base. Um, the, yeah. And in, in, in the first act, you don't really deal a lot with the spacecraft. It's always very much on the Arctic base. You see this guy, he's sort of, he is sort of, at, he's suffering. He's, he's, I think he's got cancer as well. So he's sort of suffering life. And he, he's, he's yeah, and also, very much a sad sack. He's not really, it's a very indie sort of film in that way. Cause He's this sort of last man alive mm. contemplating existence. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of realised that he's done for 
and then yeah. there's kind of no point taking up a seat on the spacecraft for no Aye. reason. Um, so, so sort of, you see him sort of just yeah. contemplating life essentially. Um, the, the, yeah. the, 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 the sort of towards the end of the second act and the third act, it becomes a much more traditional kind of sci fi movie because you've got like you're on the spacecraft, they're coming home, they've been hit by like a meteor shells, they're dealing with that, and they're dealing with sort of spacewalks and mm. they're trying to survive that, and it's just sort of becomes much more of just a generic sci-fi film and not not in a bad way it's like well done mm. so everything was totally fine with that yeah um and i actually found the, the ending like i'm not gonna give it away but the end of the film i found generally quite moving like sort of like um when they do have a conversation it's quite touching the way it all, it all comes down um it, it's an odd film like i, I kind of enjoyed all the part apart from the flashback thing i kind of enjoyed all the parts of it but it never really coalesced into a sort of a firm entity for me. It felt very much yeah. it felt almost too fragmented. Yeah. I I would have preferred that if they were still gonna run with the flashback bits, I would have preferred that if they were like interjecting them at like points where he was like like dreaming. So did. like he was lying like there was a couple but there was also just times where it was just jammed in there and right. you're like it just totally took me out of what was just happening. Yeah. And we were going back in time and watching his early life as he was like yeah. essentially chasing his career and destroying like anything around it to pursue it. Yeah, and uh, I also I don't think the stuff he had learned from these like flashbacks greatly adds to the story. Like just no, looking at him, the way no. the way he moves around, the way he sort of deals with his life as it is, you get the sense of yeah. a lost love with a with a lot of like sort of regret of what he's done and something and you can kind of get that even you don't need a lot of like other stuff in there, I think. Um, so it felt. I would, I would have there. actually preferred. I would have preferred almost not to go far as far back to that point where he's a twenty-year-old at the start of his career or whatever. I would have preferred even just small snippets of how the world has been destroyed and why they're all hiding out in the Antarctic or wherever they are. Wherever they're not it would have just have made it a bit clearer yeah. rather than just seeing him at the start of his career. Like you could piece that together yourself, you Aye. know. Um keeping the, the reason why the world's ended ambiguous wasn't a bad choice. I was actually kind of awful. I actually thought that was a nice way of doing it, you know, rather than you know, pinpointing, you know, we've all killed each other in you know, some way. I actually quite Enjoyed that aspect. I felt not enjoyed, but I think I thought that was, that was, that was quite a decent story thread um, to not reveal it. Um, it, was, it, it was just more, I felt like it was, it felt like very much like two, possibly three films all put together, not quite mixed properly. You know, the, the Clooney mm. story by itself was, a, was an interesting, you know, a guy contemplating life and, you know, what he's done in his life and what the future holds. Is an absolutely fine indie film. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Including he's a great actor, so you can totally watch him. The stuff on the spacecraft mm-hmm. of them having to go back home, realizing what's happened at home, and then having to make choices over what's, what they're going to do. That's also a great mm-hmm. sort of sci-fi movie and sort of very cerebral in many ways, and obviously put some action points into it as well. So either I felt like I either watched one of the two movies by themselves, or combine the two of them, but take away the flashback thing more. And I, I probably liked it a bit more. Um, but it's yeah, not a bad film. It looks yeah. fantastic. It looks great. Everyone's very yep. good in it. Felicity uh, Jones was great in it. David O'Reilly was great in it. Kyle Chandler's always good. Clooney's always good as well. So there's nothing specifically bad about it. Um, and nothing particularly, I would say there's nothing great. There's a lot of good stuff in it. 
but if the it felt like it could have been better. It just it didn't feel like it, it came together quite as way I kind of hoped it would. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was also good as well that it was he was also dreaming about stuff that I dream about as well. The dreaming like when he's in the little cabin. I thought you were going to say he dreamt of Anna Kendrick. I thought that was going to be Well, yeah, that's, that's the other dreams. <laughs> it's like he's dreaming that he's like swimming or something, and then he wakes up and he's actually like the thing is sinking. And right. I'm like, I have those fucking dreams all the time, but I don't wake up drowning. I no. just wake up going, oh, fight, fuck, <laughs> and roll back over again. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff in there. What, what would you give it a 10? I'm going to give it a solid six and a half. Yeah, six and a six half. half. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd love this to be. I'm going with seven. I enjoyed like Yeah, it's, um, it's solid, you know, absolute solid. It's a very solid film. And it, it's on Netflix. You're not paying anything extra for it. So it's all, it's all gravy, essentially. Um, but yeah, just, I, felt, I just felt there was something, there's a better story in there somewhere. Like, like a, a, a really, a really touching mm-hmm. story. Like, the final sort of act when it sort of really did find very moving. I wish it felt like that could have been more. And and that's there's nothing worse. Like I can like a bad film is a bad film. A good film is a good film. There's there's al- there's almost nothing worse than a film that's so much potential and just doesn't quite mm-hmm. you know, it's like you're like, ah, I wish you'd just been braver to go a bit further, you know, or a bit you know, slightly better choices. That yeah. that's saying it's it's a frustration of something that could have been great, just being good. But still well worth a watch if you get a chance to watch it. Mm. Um, and on from that, yeah, yeah. we've got go to the final film of this week, and that is an on Netflix release, and that is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which sounds a lot dustier than it actually is. Um, so directed by George C. Wolfe, who is really known for his stage work, but he has written, he directed a film called Knights in Rodan. If you get a chance to watch that, it's a very, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing um, Stace Medicine is a very sort of romantic comedy Richard here. You might enjoy it. Um, the plot of this one is Ma Rainey is, is a soul singer. She's going to record an album, and the band are brought in to record this album. They are a great band, so they all know exactly what they're doing. So essentially, they don't need to do much because they, they can knock this out of the park in one go. But at the same, but basically, the, the recording mm. time is booked. They're all just they're all just sitting there reminiscing on, or not reminiscing, talking about life, love, the state of humanity, and um, everything that's going on in the world. At the same time, Ma Rainey. Um, you get, Marion is set in the 60s, so it's sort of like a lot of racial politics in it as well. Uh, the main actor in it is Chadwick Boseman. He's hitting on Marini's girlfriend, so he's, there's like a love story there as well with Viola Davis. She plays Marini. Uh, you also have Coleman Domingo playing one of the, the, the musicians, and Glenn Perman as well. So it's very much a, a, a think piece in that respect. So what did you think of this one? Yeah, this was now that I've uh, now that I know the director guy had done a lot of stage work. Um, this makes complete sense now looking back at the movie because a lot of it is very much set pieces with just people standing around talking Yeah, which do you think would work brilliant on stage Yeah. Uh, so that makes a lot of sense to me now because I did wonder when I was sitting there watching it going there's not really a lot happening here it's just people kind of like hanging out and stuff like in yeah. rooms and that it's based, anyway. on a play, it's based on a play by a guy called August Wilson who is sort of one of the great American playwrights ah. um, he wrote right. essentially he wrote a, he wrote a play for like, I think it's like, I think it's about nine of them for every decade. Or, mm. I mean, there's not many of them, there's enough that um, these things are sort of um, well known. And then they are sort of like the great playwright play of like African America. 
you know, African Americans, it's all he speaks, the uh, voice, um, which obviously okay. I've seen. Um, the, if you remember a film a few years ago called Fences with Denzel Washington, mm-hmm. um, he wrote that yeah, film yeah. as well. And basically, when he passed away, his work was left in perpetuity to Denzel Washington to sort of bring to the big screen and sort of be the curator of his work, which I thought was very interesting. So, um, Denzel Washington produces this right. film, but doesn't direct it, but he directed Fences. So, it's really just sort of about bringing August Wilson's work to a bigger canvas. Um, but your point is well uh, made, you know, the guy who wrote it like, was well known for stage work and the film itself is based on a play. So you're right, big chunks of this film did feel like it was just guys sitting around talking. All brilliantly acting, they're all great actors. Oh no, it's not it's, it's it's not a bad thing. It was just like a very kind of curious point when I was sitting there watching it, going like it's very stationary, you yeah. know. Heavy dialogue, not much movement. Um as a whole, that's after I, I liked this film. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed the story. Uh, a couple of crazy twists and turns in it that I was yeah. a bit like, "Whoa!" <laughs> you know, that <laughs> escalated quickly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know? but yeah, outside of that, yeah, I thought it was really good. Like, it really set the the era. Yeah, I liked definitely. I liked everything about it. You know, yeah. I thought they'd done a really good job with that. Uh, yeah. Trying to not give that away. Yeah, it's tough. I, I, thought, I would say I a, big, that... a big plus for me was Fences. If you ever, if you ever see Fences, it ends up watching the film. You ever, you ever mind to watch that a few years ago? I think I did. But it's, I'm sure it's, I did. It's very talky and it goes for a long time and it is fucking long. Like it goes for a good two hours, two ah, and a half hours. Okay. It's a long ass film. This, for being based yeah, on a yeah. stage play, this clock's in it like 90 odd minutes. It's not a long film, which I thought was amazing. No, how, and it does. How quick it was. It does gallop as well. It doesn't hang about, you know. They do start getting to the point really quickly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, the, the bit that made me think about, go, my God, how far we've came is when they're in the recording studio and it's our, oh, is it our nephew or our son or something, and he's trying to do the opening bit, but he's got uh, a starter. Yeah. And they just keep on lifting the vinyl off the recording machine yeah. and bending it. And you're like, my God, how far we have came now for you don't have to do that. <laughs> I know. But many will say that the it tastes it sounds better when it's on the vinyl. So you know, depending on what yeah. you train of thought. Um not, this was not when you're not when you're binning ten of them just to get the perfect recording. <laughs> um this was Chadwick Boseman's final film. Um I thought it was a very fitting final performance. I thought he brings a lot of energy to it. I thought he was very, very good in it. Um and you you watch it and you see go. It's really sad that that's like he won't have the same chance to do, you know, another ten films to you know, add this body of work. It's just unrealized potential now. You know, of what you could have, you know, what you could have done extra. So it was a real shame. Um, yeah, yeah, totally, man, totally. But yeah, no, I really, I really dug this. It's one of those films that I really enjoyed watching it when I was watching it. I think I, I think I made a lot of salient points. It made a lot of good points. It makes a lot of Interesting points as well, and like everything is very well. It looks amazing. Not a lot of scope out with it to make it beyond the stage. Like they don't really go outside of anything at any point to make it like, widen. It does feel very much like it's all like three or four sets just built in the one place, and it doesn't feel like it's got a lot of scope to it. But I, and, and very worthwhile yeah. watch. I felt like I, I felt like I, got, I felt like I enjoyed my time watching it. 
but I cannot see myself watching this film again. Oh, I totally did. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like even like even Netflix had buried it very quickly as well. Yeah. Like I remember it on the homepage, and then when I went to find it this morning to watch it, actually I had to search for it because that's how like it just completely gone from the yeah. main page. Um, which is a shame because you know it's a good it's a good performance by everyone involved. You know. Yeah, everything about it is it's so well done. Um, yeah, and I would say. All that very much worthwhile watching again, but just um, it didn't quite hit me the same way. Fences hit me. Fences, I felt had a, had more of a sounds like dumb more of a point to it. It felt like it, it was exploring more. This mm. didn't feel explored quite the same depth. I mean, but still, it, it's still very enjoyable and excellent and great and wonderful performances from everybody. By all the days, it's fantastic as Marini, Chadwick Boseman is fantastic as the sort of the, the band member. All worked fantastic. Just like I said, Fences for me. Worked so much more. It just it, it had so much okay. more to it, and maybe that's because you have Denzel in that film. You know, Denzel brings so much to the film. So is Viola mm. Davis. She brings so much to the film as well. So the two of them together, it, it, it felt it felt more special. The big, the most special mm. part of this film to me felt like it was see because you're seeing Chadwick Boseman's final performance. That was the main hook to the film. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, fair play. I can't. I'm enjoying these kind of like. Um, Kind of bigger budget movies on Netflix, and uh, you know the kind of movies like we've just uh, spoke about, the Midnight Sky, Marini. You know the movies where you feel if they get released in a cinema, they might not have a long longevity in the cinema. They maybe have I like been, maybe a, a month max. I mean, guarantee. Even if, even if we were discussing this in the podcast, the chance of you going to see Marini's Black Bomb and Midnight Sun in the same week is pretty much nil. Mm. Yeah, 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 totally. You know, I I would go and see them. That's because I'm I've, I have an illness. Yeah, but you're not going to go yeah. and see you're not going to go and see two of these films. So being on Netflix, it does open up to a much wider audience. You know, because fact, like I said, mm. you've watched both of these films, and your and your film going is much more limited than mine. You know, so that yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. It, it brings a much it, it does bring these to a much bigger audience if they are so easily available. Mm. Totally. Out of ten, totally. I'm giving it a solid eight. I did actually enjoy it. You're very, you know? you're very nice with the book. I'm giving it a seven. It's a very, to me, me this week is a very seven out of ten week. Nothing bad. Yeah. yeah. Nothing great. Yeah, just you know, a nice average week. You know. Yeah, a solid week. All don't do yeah. not regret watching anything. Everything I watched, I was like, no, I'm, no. Very, I'm very pleased to watch that. I feel like I've, I've added something to my filmography in my head that I've, I've added to watch something good. Um, even I'm, even outside of the list of uh, movies for the podcast, even when I watched uh, the first Matrix movie this week yeah. as well, I was very very surprised how much I actually enjoyed it. Like yeah. that was the first time I've watched it, and I pretty much since almost like the first time I've seen it, kind yeah. of thing. I was like, you know what, this actually still holds up. It's really good. I've watched it recently. I'm holding off from rewatching it again until sort of like the, the new film is more on the horizon. It's supposed to be out in this year. Like I'll give it a revisit then. I think just to yeah, yeah. fresh the mind. Um, I've got, I've got no desire to watch the sequels, but no. For the first movie, it's absolutely solid. Absolutely, it's, it's still it's defining for many people. Particularly our age, that's kind of one of the major things. Yeah. Um, but that's all for this week. Next week we got kind of an interesting mixed bag. Um, we'll get. Some, a lot of Netflix next week again, so there's a bunch of stuff in add on to Netflix of films that were out just just as lockdown kind of hit that are now kind of made their way to the streaming services to watch. So quite nice. I, I missed all these. Some I'm quite enjoying catching up on them. Uh, the first one is Baby Teeth, which mm. is an Australian film. 
about a girl who's got cancer who falls in love with a drug dealer and she brings him back home to the family and it's the family trying to be nice to her because she's dying of cancer but also this guy's also an absolute crazy person and it's just sort of it's just family dynamics and in a very tense atmosphere and um, it's on netflix um, and yeah, yeah. watch and uh, proxima which is another sci-fi film where it's like sci-fi in the loosest possible term it's all more about it's about an astronaut who is taking one of the first journeys on a journey to mars and it's in a, she's doing a training for it but at the same time she's having a young daughter it's her sort of trying to balance having a young daughter and living a life that way and having to leave her daughter behind for a year as she travels to mars and back and um, and it's try to come to terms with that and also mm. see where all the gender politics involved with you know male astronauts thinking she's not up to the task and um, give you i'll give you a warning barry mm. it's in many different languages it's in french german english i think there's a bit of russian in there as well so don't put the don't put the dubbing on watch the subtitles okay no dubbing subtitles okay so don't yeah. watch when you're feeling do not watch when you're feeling sleepy okay um yeah yeah but, next week, yeah Next especially because nowadays when I read a book, I'm like two pages and I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, so I'll give you a warning, so just so you don't go into it. And then yeah, yeah. That. Uh, also, this week is um, available in Britain for the first time on you know, video on demand. Uh, it will be Wonder Woman 1984, which obviously had a cinematic release right at the start of the last mm. December lockdown and died away. And it's out in America for a little while, but it's now finally hitting um, British download availability, so we'll be watching that. Uh, and also, finally, Netflix, you got a six-episode miniseries called The History of Swear Words, investigated, narrated by Nicolas Cage. So that will be, if anything, an experience we're going to watch. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm intrigued. I haven't heard anything about this, apart from obviously Nicolas Cage is in it. Yeah. I am very intrigued about where this is going to go. To me, it feels like a funnier die sketch that will be that will grow cold very quickly, but I'm, I'm open to see what it can do. Nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Tell me find us, Barry. All the usual social media haunts at Three Beers in a Movie, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Come join the fun. That's been specific. I've been Richard. <laughs> Barry. And you've been listening to... Three beers in a movie.